Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, daily reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, June 2nd, 2023, Friday of the eighth week in ordinary time. It's also the first Friday of the month. Our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple area. He looked around at everything, and since it was already late, went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing from a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went over to see if he could find anything on it. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the time for figs. And he said to it in reply, May no one ever eat of your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. They came to Jerusalem, and on entering the temple area, he began to drive out those selling and buying there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. He did not permit anyone to carry anything through the temple area. Then he taught them, saying, It is not written, or is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, but you have made it a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes came to hear of it and were seeking a way to put him to death. Yet they feared him because the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. Early in the morning, as they were walking along, they saw the fig tree withered to its roots. Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus said to them in reply, Have faith in God. Amen, I say to you. Whoever says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it shall be done for him. Therefore I tell you, all that you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it, and it shall be yours. When you stand to pray, forgive anyone against whom you have a grievance so that your heavenly Father may in turn forgive you your transgressions. So, do you ever find yourself talking to inanimate objects? (laughs) Although at least Jesus was talking to a plant. How often do I find myself talking to my cell phone as if it's purposely frozen because it hates me? Or I find myself talking to an old computer Because these things that are supposed to speed up our lives and make them easier, I end up spending half the day trying to deal with, and I can never get to the actual work that I have to do, because I have to use a printer or a program or something. There's something on the computer that's not working. There's something mechanical that's not working, and I end up talking to it, (laughs) and I end up telling it, you know, know, personal messages, you don't care about me. (laughs) (laughs) Things like this, because, and a lot of us do this because we get frustrated. I don't know exactly on a human level what was going on in Jesus's mind when he spoke to the fig tree and basically cursed it. I know he was teaching them a lesson and maybe he was even talking to Jerusalem and the temple because there's a bigger picture thing going on there. And Jesus even did in another passage, he speaks to Jerusalem. 
Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you murdered the prophets, etc., etc. You rejected the message of Almighty God. And now you're going to miss the day of your visitation from the Messiah. So, once again, I don't know what Jesus was saying on a human level to this fig tree. I mean, Jesus doesn't... I mean, he, he gets angry in a righteous way, but Jesus never, quote-unquote, loses his temper. Jesus doesn't have resentment. Jesus doesn't act in a way that's irrational and illogical. If I'm speaking to a computer, it's because I'm a little nutty. So I don't know what Jesus was doing with the fig tree. But Jesus is saying something here. It's a big picture thing. And there's a reason this whole passage goes together, because there are all these things are connected. First of all, Jesus is giving us and his disciples at the time the lesson that if we do not produce good fruit, this is similar to what he says in the parable of the vine and the branches, the branches will be cut off where they will be, they will wither and they will be thrown into the fire if they do not produce fruit. We have to produce fruit and it's not even a reward punishment thing. Everybody likes to default to that, like, oh, well, you know, you're going to get sent to hell kind of thing. But it's just the reality. You know, if you don't drink water, if you don't water your plants, they're going to wither and die. We are going to dehydrate and die if we don't have water, if we don't eat food, if we don't eat the right food, if we don't get sleep. It's the same thing with sanctifying grace. If we go 30, 40, 50 years of our lives without sanctifying grace, guess what happens to our souls? You're not going to have some deathbed moment where you're like, oh, okay, let me go to confession. Everything's fine. I mean, praise God when people are able to convert before they die. And largely that's because other people are praying for them. But uh, so frustrating to me. People just want to live their whole lives apart from God, and then they want God to save them at the last minute, but they've dehydrated their souls in a way. They've broken off. They've gotten out of practice. There's a lot of different ways we can say it. So Jesus is telling us we must bear good fruit. And bearing good fruit doesn't mean we have to go feed the poor in the city of Philadelphia, although that's not a bad thing to do a little here and there. But it means relationship with God. It means growing in virtue, especially growing in love in the way we treat the people around us. So it's a virtue. It's love of God, love of neighbor, having a prayer life, following the commandments to the best of our ability, receiving the sacraments, asking our sins to be taken away by Almighty God, and also those around us that we've hurt asking their forgiveness. We need to constantly be watered in our souls. So that's what the fig tree image is all about, but it's very profoundly connected to the, the next thing that he does. And this so very much applies to what's happening in the world and in the church today. And people don't want to talk about it. And it needs to be talked about. And that is Jesus goes into the temple area and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, but you have made it a den of thieves. There's another quote uh, that's not mentioned in Mark's gospel, but it's mentioned in some of the others. Zeal for your house consumes me. I believe that's in one of the Psalms. 
Zeal for your house consumes me. Of course, when we speak of the house of the Lord, we speak of heaven, we speak of anywhere that God dwells. But very specifically, when it's mentioned in the Bible, it's it's speaking of the place where people worship. Here it's the temple. For us, it's the church. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Zeal for your house consumes me. It doesn't just mean we have zeal for the church in general and for Christianity in general, although those are true as well. But zeal for the building where people pray. Zeal for the place that houses Almighty God. Zeal for the place where people's sins are forgiven. So as I was reading this and preparing this sermon, I was praying in a chapel where a whole bunch of people came in and proceeded to talk out loud. And, you know, (laughs) I very often ask people's opinion on different things, and I would love to get some opinions on this question. When I have a bunch of sweet little old ladies that come up to me as I'm deep in prayer and they want to talk my ear off, am I supposed to be mad? (laughs) Because I really am so mad. What can be more important than the fact that I'm praying? And this is the thing nobody gets anymore because nobody prays anymore. I'm in communication with God Almighty. I've had a rough day. I'm tired. My soul is now connected to the Lord, and that's my lifeline. And and people will just interrupt other people when they're praying like it's nothing. Think of all the times you don't interrupt somebody. When they're watching a movie, when they're going to the bathroom, when they're being intimate with a spouse. We think of so many things in this life where we would never dream of interrupting somebody. And yet, deep communication with Almighty God, especially when it's desperately needed, people think nothing of interrupting that. And that's where Jesus, I think, inspires us who are true believers to get angry because zeal for your house consumes me. <laughs> but tonight, I'm, you know, because I'm making this recording the night before, I'm thinking to myself, although it is past midnight, so it is certainly June 2nd, but... As I was praying, I was thinking to myself, you know, these old ladies, oh, they are kind of cute and they don't know any better. And they're so sweet and they're coming up and and saying all these nice things to me. And it's like, ah, what would Jesus do if he was out in the desert and he's communing with Almighty God, perhaps painfully because of stuff he's gone through and a bunch of little old ladies want to come up to him and talk to him about his tunic or his hair or whatever, his sandals (laughs) or, ah. Whatever, I don't know. I mean, St. Francis de Sales in his writings, I love St. Francis de Sales, and he talks about how sometimes we have to interrupt our prayers for charity purposes. In other words, somebody's dying, I need to help them. But, I don't know, it's frustrating. But it's funny that that's what was happening to me as I was reading this reading. And so let's apply it to our own day and age. The church... Um, let me say it this way, because it's certainly not true of the church universal, but when it comes to the institutional church in the Western world of the past 50 years, it's dead. D-E-D, dead. I know that's not how you spell dead, but it's dead. And you know why it's dead? Because its worship has been dead. And I don't, you know, I know this is a very controversial topic, but it's at the time that we change the mass. And I'm not saying it's wrong 100% to change the mass. 
But what I am saying is that the way it was done, we, we essentially created a new religion. More and more, I'm of the opinion of these popular authors that write about this right now. In 2023, people are writing about this, about how we have created a new religion by changing the mass. It used to be simple worship. And not always the most simple thing. Sometimes it, it became very beautiful, very complex in a beautiful way. Uh, po polyphonic chant, incense, the beauty of art and architecture, the beauty of the prayers, the words of the prayers, which now has become a, uh, a popularity contest, a show. Uh, it, it's something that people think is all about them instead of being all about God. They're there to be entertained. They're there to... Um, take uh, an interest in, oh, well, you know, I liked what this priest said, so I'll go back to him. Oh, I didn't like that priest's personality or his vestments or his breath or whatever, so I'm not going to go back to that one. And we lose what it's, what it's truly, genuinely about. It is worship of God. It is actually Jesus's worship of the Father and Jesus's sacrifice on the cross offered to the father. And we are privileged to be there for that. And it is the cross. It is Calvary that we are made present at that. We are privileged to connect with in the mass. When Padre Pio, Padre Pio said so many beautiful things about the mass. When he was asked, uh, is it okay to clap at mass? He said, well, at the first mass, which was Calvary, there were some people clapping. Yeah. The Roman soldiers, the uh, religious leaders that put Jesus to death, they were clapping. They were laughing. They were there for entertainment. Whereas the true followers of Jesus were on their knees and in tears. And it's not that we have to become phony or something, but we ought to be trying to focus our best on what exactly is happening up on that altar and reacting to it in the way that we would if we were 2,000 years ago physically present outside Jerusalem at Calvary. Zeal for your house consumes me. And this is all about bearing fruit. If we're bearing fruit in a lot of ways, but most especially in our prayer and in our worship, then the tree will not be cut down. As what happened in the gospel reading, the tree withered on its own because Jesus cursed it. Jesus was teaching them a lesson. Whereas if fruit is produced, you know, they say the parishes that get religious vocations are the parishes that have Eucharistic adoration. And it's the same thing with abortion clinics that shut down. Never mind. I mean, this whole entire analogy here can be applied to America. When America centers on God, when any country centers itself on God, there's blessing, there's fortune. When we turn away from God, everything falls apart. Our country is falling apart. I don't need to give a whole sermon on this, although I like to do it all the time. But it's obvious. We lose God. We lose our morals. We lose virtue. We lose our faith. We lose our prosperity. We lose everything. We, we've lost our soul. The family is no longer at the center. God is no longer at the center. And therefore, it is all falling apart. We've lost the blessing of Almighty God. And our church in the past 50 years or so, in so many ways, has lost the blessing of Almighty God. 
not teaching the right things in our schools and in our religious education programs, not worshiping, but rather turning the mass into a show. It's no wonder a parish shuts down when the parish is spiritually dead. It's just like the fig tree. There's no life in it. And God Almighty says, you know, we, we have Jesus cursing the tree, but there, there's no need for uh, even that proactiveness on God's part. Like I say, if you don't drink water, you're going to dehydrate. If a parish doesn't worship, and trust me, I've been in many of them where they do everything but worship. It's only natural you're going to shut the doors of that parish. When a school doesn't put God at the center, it's only natural that school's days are numbered. You can only bring in so many exchange students to keep the tuition money going. You can only go back to the alumni so many times. Eventually, they're going to die out, and there's not going to be enough younger ones. The fig tree dies when there's no fruit coming out of it. There's no reason for the tree anymore. There's no reason for these institutions that aren't putting God at the center and that aren't worshiping that aren't making him the most important thing. Yet, it doesn't mean the whole institution's falling apart. It doesn't mean everything is falling apart, because you know what? There's so much life in other places. This is what I say all the time. The Catholic Church is alive and well, just not in American parishes. Once again, people think it's all about them. Oh, my church. Well, look, oh, look, I can't even understand the priests now. They have to get priests from other countries. Well, that's your own fault. Did you have kids? Did you bring them to school? Did you bring them to youth group? Did you encourage them to consider a, a religious vocation? Did you even encourage them in a prayer life? Did you pray the rosary with them? Okay, don't expect vocations. Don't expect your parish to flourish. Plain and simple. Ah, the list goes on and on and on. But it's true. There's new things. There's new movements popping up all over the place. There's new lay movements. There's new religious movements. There's beautiful things happening in the church all over the world. Go to countries that are poor, you know, continent like, like Africa. Uh, go to India. Go to Poland. Go to South America. There's so many places where the church is thriving. It usually thrives in, in poverty. And it fails in places that have an overabundance because they think they can rely upon themselves. Anyway, so what's the point of all this? Zeal for your house consumes me. We need to get back to true worship. We need to, we need to learn it. We need to, we need to start somewhere. Learning what worship is. It's otherworldly. It's vertical. We live our lives on the horizontal plane. Church and prayer, that's where we go vertical. And that's how we nurture our soul in that way. It's like people, I don't know, I'm just thinking of different images. You know, if you laid flat on your back and you try to eat, you're not going to be able to. You have to stand up vertically. You have to sit up vertically in order for the food to go down, right? We nurture ourselves on the horizontal plane in our relationships and, of course, in our earthly lives in so many ways, but we also have a vertical component, and that is us and God. We need to reach upward for that. And we have lost the sense of worship because we think it's one more horizontal thing. It's one more thing that's all about us. It's one more thing where, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get involved. 
I'm going to give them my opinion on the parish council about how things should be run when they have no idea what they're talking about. And the things just continue to die because people are not open to what it really is. And that is a relationship with Almighty God. Wherever the relationship with Almighty God is centered upon, that is where we find life. That is where fruit is born. And those are the places we need to run to, especially as our time runs out as the church in the Western world, as the United States. Our time is running out if we don't turn back to God and genuine worship. So we ask the Lord to do this for all of us, especially our churches, our parishes. May we return to Almighty God so that the fruit may be born, so that God can continue to bless us as he desperately wants to at all times. But he's always true to himself. He's not going to force things. And he's true to us too. So we ask the Lord to show us genuine worship. We ask the Lord to help us to bear fruit in his name for him. And we ask the Lord just to keep us going on the path that leads to heaven and almighty God. We uh, have entered the month of June and it is a month, despite what the rest of society is doing, this month focuses very much especially on Jesus. While the month of May focused on Mary, this is a month where we focus on the sacred heart and the heart is also the Eucharist. It's a month very much devoted to the Eucharist. As the Feast of Corpus Christi approaches, uh, we ask our Lord to uh, just love and honor him more and more and more. That we have hearts that just long for that tabernacle to be in front of him, to worship him, to be one with him, that we ourselves may bear fruit. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.